We're taking our show on the road in front of a live audience where you need to be. On September 7th, we're sitting down with actress and activist Rosie Perez and her husband, artist and designer Eric Hayes at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Hayes, by the way, did the logo for our podcast. You can buy tickets at nprpresents.org. Come out and hang. Today's podcast may contain some explicit language. You're warned. I'm an activist, right? I want everybody to be equal. The day after equality happens, I'm talking shit to everybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> language for me is a very freeing thing. And I look forward to the day that literally everyone is equal so we, we can, can all get back to the talking shit, out of shit each to each other. <laughs> Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everybody? This is Stretch Armstrong. What up? And I'm Bobito Garcia, a.k.a. Cool Bob Love. Welcome to What's Good with Stretch and Bobito, your source for untold stories and uncovered truths from movers and shakers around the world. Today's guest is the hip-hop duo, Run the Jewels. The critically acclaimed and fiercely independent rap team joins us in the studio to talk about how they learn to have fun with their music and about their unexpected friendship. Stretch! Tell me about your favorite unlikely duo in music. Yeah, you know, we were talking about this. And for some reason, the conversation we had sparked a memory of this performance. I saw the video on YouTube. It was the Rolling Stones bringing Stevie Wonder out on stage. And they do Can't Get No Satisfaction. And you can hear the excitement in that, in that venue. It's insane. There are about 40 musicians on stage. There's a horn section that's probably about seven or eight people. <laughs> it really is. Stevie is going off. You watch this clip, and you just can't help but be you know, just dragged into the euphoria. I've been to a lot of concerts in my life. I've spent hours on YouTube, and this has got to be one of the most joyful and intense performances I've ever seen. That's an unlikely duo, and we're going to talk to another unlikely duo in just a second. Stay tuned for Run the Jewels. Word. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Red Bull Radio. Whether it's the latest dancehall out of Kingston, techno from Berlin, underground hip-hop, or old soul gems, Red Bull Radio is the place to tune in and discover great music that's new to you. With in-depth interviews and live performances from festivals around the globe, plus music handpicked by influential artists, journalists, and DJs, you'll know what you're looking for when you hear it. Listen at RedBullRadio.com. Now that What's Good is up and running, we'd like to hear back from you, our listeners. Please take a minute to answer a short survey about the show. Just go to npr.org slash what's good survey. Again, that's npr.org slash what's good survey. That's all one word. And we're back. Joining us now in studio is the hip hop duo. And our people run the jewels. What up? Yeah, run the jewels is Killer Mike. 
LP, yep. family to the fullest. Although Mike, your your new family, I am. We're forging family. My cousin from the country. Yeah, because now my weird cousin from the country up here for the summer. <laughs> I'm the Shama Lama, do my Lama, danger dick or do your mama. Feed her with the Peter, never eat her, tell her see you later. Holler about tomorrow, baby. Hang got to holler. <clears throat> Mom, Papa, Papa, pussy, Papa, collar. Papa, P.O.D. and she'll know. Killer Mike is from Atlanta. First rose to fame with the featured verse on Outkast's hit single, The Whole World. Player, I grind, my focus is crime. Raw with the rhyme, I'm slick with the slime. My words are diamonds, dug out of mine. Spit them, polish, look how they shine. And LP is a vet of the New York Underground, originally recording with the trio. Company flow, aka Co Flow. Hell, the maladjusted MC Funk Crusher. Massive, I suffer my condition. Automatic, all slow, connect thoughts, get jostled at your position. Listen. Indeed, in 2013, the two teamed up after rhyming together on a tour and have since dropped three critically acclaimed and ridiculously successful albums as Run the Jewels. They've now got a huge fan base and are selling out gigs across the country. Fellas, it's good to see you. Yeah. Applause, applause, applause. So let's, I mean, Mike, we're going we're gonna to get to you. I'm chilling. We're going to get to you. <laughs> but we got to establish that L is a dear friend, Joe. Like, Come even on. though we haven't hung out in a while long, I mean, Stretch and I had a radio show in the 1990s. I'm going to give you some background, just in case you don't know. Okay. Yeah, Educate just in case. Right about to speak. And, uh, I'm sure L's never told him anything about this. <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and a young uh, teenage LP was on Libra Records, and... We gave the 12 inch some love, and then he had a, a little demo called Eight Steps to Perfection. Hold on, hold on, hold on. More what? than love. I loved that record. Burnt you, the you, you hell guys out were, of it. You guys were the only people who loved that record. <laughs> <laughs> like, you literally were the, the I mean, you know, I, I, tell, well, I tell Mike, like, I give him the background, but when I tell the story, I, I keep it simple, and I just say, these guys started my career. Wow. Listen, you told me in such a story yeah. about how you and your partner, Big yeah. Judge from Company Flow, uh-huh. Heard stretch debut your yeah, first yeah, twelve yeah. inch. We were we were sitting in my at the time I, my mother's nineteen eighty five uh, <laughs> brown nineteen eighty five Buick, waiting because we had given stretch. Stretch was the first person we gave the record to, and we were like, we knew that he was gonna play it at some point. You know, there's a four hour show, so we were there for the long haul. We were like in the car, like we're here till four in the morning. You know, first jam. But we just heard that, oh man, it gives me chills. Like he played it, we heard it. And we were like, oh my God, that's happening! <laughs> and then the rhyme started to come in, and, and we were like, this is amazing. And then he, and it was like, okay, okay, zoom. Ran it back again. I think you ran that back about four times before you dropped it. It was such a seminal moment in our lives, you know what I mean? Because we looked up to you guys as the most important thing that you could possibly do. It, it meant a lot to us, too. I mean, you're describing one direction of this relationship, but for us to be able to champion music that we kind of felt we discovered was hugely important for not just the success of the show, but just for our own inspiration and, and desire to, to, to keep doing this. And it's equally exciting for us. But um, the name, Run the Jewels, is slang for a stick-up. And your logo is a hand in the shape of a gun pointed at a fist holding jewels. Actually, I, I just realized on the way up here that, that Def Jux is, is a pun. Jux is a, is a robbery, mm-hmm, a stick-up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
so what's what's up with you and, and robberies? Oh yeah, you know, I just like you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just something I do on my off time. <laughs> I don't know what's up with me and robberies, man. <laughs> the Run the Jewels thing, you know, it came from, obviously we all know we are from New York. You all know the, the phrase Run the Jewels. Even Mike from Atlanta knows the phrase Run the Jewels. If you were hearing the word Run the Jewels and you were in trouble. But um, I got it from um, Cheesy Rap Blues on, on the Mama Said Knock You Out album for LL Cool J. Run the Jewels and me and Mike and our connection and everything came out of a time, a period of time, where I lost, I had personally lost everything. Everything that I have been working on, um, including any personal money that I had or any, any you know, the le- record label that I've been working on for 10 years and all, and friends that had passed away, a lot of stuff kind of fell out from underneath my feet completely. And, and, I, and you know, I had a period of time where I was a couple years where I was really, I had been humbled by the world. I had been humbled by the universe. And, and I, but I remember when I started making music and I started to feel good again, and I remember... I was listening to cheesy rap blues off of <laughs> off of the Mama Said Knock You Out album. And at the end of that song, he's, and, and this is a song where it's a story about him losing everything, about him being a rap star and him losing everything and, and the friends that he thought that he had going away and, um, and him getting desperate. And um, it just connected with me at that time, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the song, he went... Throw your hands in the air, wave them like you just don't care, and keep them there. Run the jewels. All of a sudden, it just meant something to me bigger than that. All of a sudden, it felt powerful. All of a sudden, it felt like, you know what? I don't have anything, but I'm, but get ready. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take something. Like and and it, you know. What was your response to to hearing the the idea, the concept honest. of Run the Jewels as a group name? Honestly, I was just like, it's crazy because. It is no more powerful a statement you can hear. If you in the eighties, if you hear run it, you know I'm being raw. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. But I gotta I gotta say, what the original intention of it it it, it changed. Yeah, you know, it grew. It grew. It because progressed. What happened was we um I'm so glad you brought that up because that's what we were about to ask. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it did. It, it yeah, did. I mean, your 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 fan base is younger. Yes, you know? yes, yes. So yes. they they perhaps don't know the context of nah. of run it. Run Definitely it not. So it became a life affirming thing for them. Yeah. Like right. kids started sending us pictures, throwing up, you know, the, the pistol and fist on the top of mountains from their <laughs> weddings and graduations. India. Yeah, uh, births. surfing championships. Like like no Incredible. exaggeration. Professionals, like, professional like Olympic athletes. You know, sending us pictures up. after winning like bronze and gold medals. Like, yeah. you what? know, we started to what? see people. Yeah, I'm telling you, we we you know, it, it 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 went from hey, this is a badass rap name, yeah. Yeah. to wow, it's, this means something. Yeah. Not only and 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 more, not only to us, but it really means something to other people. And yeah. it and it reflected back on us, and it made us take Run the Jewels more seriously. It was also kind of I think a little bit of a break from the heaviness of our, of our solo material. You know, we both got a little heavy. And I know for me, my last couple of solo records were really rooted in pain. They were really rooted in the fact that I had lost a friend, that I had um, questioned a lot of things about, you know, it was dark. Mm -hmm. And, And while I stand by those records and I think that they're good pieces of art, there wasn't a lot of joy involved in making mm-hmm. those records, and there wasn't a lot of joy involved in performing those records. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're, for me, important statements as an artist, as a person. But when we got to run the jewels, we just wanted to have fun. Great man gonna die face down in the Vietnam muscle, walking on style on you, and then I walk uphill both ways to the booth and back and I wild on you. You think baby Jesus killed Hitler just so I whisper? 
hold on, hold on, Mike. Get off the phone! I'm telling people I'm doing we stretching lost them. Bob. We show. lost them. I'm be like, nigga, I'm doing stretching Bob. Yo, by the way, can I just say something? You guys look exactly the same except your hair. That's it. Like, yo, Wait, put the glasses like, on. That's oh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check I, this I out. have glasses, though. Like, Bob, do you plan on wrinkling at any point? <laughs> <laughs> or is this just a, your baby face, smooth no, no, listen, skin? Like, listen, yeah. Mike, so you know about me and Bobito from the 90s when your cousin from the Bronx would send you tapes to Atlanta. You told me that when we first met. Then, subsequently, you told me that your cousin was gay, and that led into a conversation about homophobia and hip-hop. Phil, God bless the day, Phil. Phil, yeah. And I was, I was just really um, pleasantly disarmed by how open you were about this. It's so refreshing um, to have that kind of a conversation with someone that's in hip-hop, especially in hip-hop where homosexuality remains such a taboo subject. It was a great way to meet you. And, yeah, thank um, you. Well, I mean, I ain't shame. It ain't no sense in being shame. You know what I mean? I was raised by old people, so my grandparents raised me. You got gay people, straight people, black people, white people, people just people. So you guys show, I couldn't listen every week like L. So I, like, my, it took my gay cousin who just found it out I like rap, like, to just start showing love. Let me interject here because, yes, our 1990s radio show did invite a lot of people, but at the same time, we also alienated people mm. because homophobia and hip-hop was something that was rampant on records. Mm. And then Stretch and I, as announcers and as a broadcast team, pushed some homophobic jokes, which at the time we thought was funny, right? Mm. And it's wonderful to hear that, that your cousin was sending you tapes and accepting and... and yeah, and my cousin and, and, was funny. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, like he's just gay. He wasn't a sucker. Like, he, uh, he, he, he talked better shit than my uncle. No, like, no, yeah. no. So, so, so what happened, though, um, one night, uh, a caller is like, yo, I think your show is hilarious. You know, Stretch has a big nose. Y'all can joke about big noses. Bob got a receding hairline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Y'all can joke about him being bald. Lois is overweight, y'all could joke around, you know, but he was like, to my knowledge, none of y'all are gay, and y'all make mad gay jokes. Yeah. He was like, you're alienating me and a lot of people in my community, yeah. unknowingly. Here we were thinking that we were creating this safe mm. space yeah. for white people, Boricuas, people in Atlanta, people in Tokyo to, yeah. to, to hear and learn mm. about hip hop, and yet at the same time, we were, we well, had to look ourselves, look at ourselves, and be like, you well, know, Bob, what? you know, you grow up. You yeah, know for what I mean? sure. And I think that when you look at hip hop now, and you look at the culture now, and the way that people do it, it's it's comparatively to where the way it used to be, Bob. The way it used to people people used to talk, and it's very rare now for people to really full on say something that's homophobic or say something that's really insensitive to to a group of people because collectively we all ended up kind of educating ourselves a little bit and grew up a little bit, became men. And... Of course, Mike. Do you have <laughs> words that that you've kind of left behind from your childhood? You know, I grew up watching Red Fox, Richard Pryor, Lenny Bruce, Bill Higgs. Oh, no. So my thing is, you know, I, I, you know, when people like I fight, I'm an activist, right? I want everybody to be equal. 
the day after equality happens, I'm talking shit to everybody. <laughs> like I got a, I got a gay sister. <laughs> like from in my in the confines of my household and the community that's my family. If you're gay, when you come in the room, oh, I'm talking shit to you <laughs> and your boyfriend. You know, I'm not gonna slam you the love is in the middle of the mason. Yeah, but it's established. Like in my house, like I'm I'm the fat one with the pretty wife. So I get it. You know, every time I come, oh, you still gonna eat? Oh, nigga, you gonna die? Some young nigga gonna be fucking your wife. Like that's. What the old men say, you know what I mean? My gay cousin, oh, I, I'm Bob not coming. Years, in. Cover them. You know, my gay cousin might come in. Well, I'm not coming if I can't bring my boyfriend in. Your yeah. auntie come. Well, you had a different boyfriend last month. You know what I mean? It's just you're talking about in the context of knowing someone and, exactly, and loving exactly. Them, so you know? for, for language for me is a very freeing thing. Now I look forward to the day that literally everyone is equal, so we, we can, can all get back to the talking shit, out of each shit other. to each other <laughs> because that's what I love about language. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I, I was watching the uh, Tiny Desk NPR performance. Oh, yeah. Right? And uh, it was great. You Thanks. know, like, the, it was like a very entertaining <laughs> 10, 12 <laughs> minutes. <you know? laughs> Killer Mike, at the end of the Tiny Desk, you said something to sign off that I found really, really interesting. And we're going to play it. Okay. At some point in the future, they're gonna to try to label us a political rap group and that we're not. We don't care what party you belong to. We don't care who you support it. We don't care what you're doing tomorrow politically. We care that socially, every one of you know, you're absolutely born free and nothing has a right to interrupt that freedom. We love you. I, I mean, I, that's, that's an emotional way to end a, a little tiny desk concert. <laughs> um, so, understanding that there is a responsibility as public, I mean, you particularly are activists and, and you're, yeah. you're both public figures. You have a following. Walk us through what you meant by what you shared there. I mean, I mean it. I don't know on the other side of the audience. I'm sure there were some Hillary Clinton supporters there. I'm sure some of them like me. Some of them don't, based on my support of Sanders. I'm sure there are some, some Sanders supporters who just love me to kid and caboodles. I'm sure that there are some <laughs> sure there are some Republicans there. Who, One or two hidden Trump fans. Know, yeah. I mean, you know, if, I'm sure, if there are some libertarians that are probably saying, you guys don't know Mike's more libertarian than any of you think, you know. Yeah. What I care about is that people know we're free, you know. What I care about is the older I get, the more of an anarchist I can become. I didn't, you know, and I don't mean in the punk rock type of way where I just seek to destroy things. I mean, I believe that truly we're not going to progress as a species until we feel responsible to educate and to bring every part or every person who belongs to this species up to a point where we don't have a need for culture, religion, nations to define us. I'm not saying you can't be your culture, your religion, or your nation, but that can't be the only thing that defines you as a human being. You know, I have to see your humanity before I see a Spanish man. I have to see your humanity before I see a white man. It doesn't mean I don't see a Spanish man. It doesn't mean I don't see a white man. It means that I don't let those things, that I see those things, interfere with me respecting and loving you as a human being. That is something sacred. For me, growing up in New York, I mean, and even coming out with my first group, I mean, it was not abnormal to have best friends of different races yeah. and to be involved with people of different races. You don't from see that Mike, shit where I'm it from. was different. Mm -hmm. From Mike, I'm probably his first really close partner, like white friend who's like really every day. And it's going really well. Yeah. And it's going really well. No, but maybe but, my second. But there's something, yeah. There's nothing that we could say on record specifically politically, and that's why I say, as Run the Jewels, we don't offer too many details because it, to me, it would poison the well a little bit. It's like, look, all of those details are what got the 
got us kind of into trouble in the first place. What are you going to say about two guys standing together, smiling, or even hugging on stage together? What are you going to say about right, that? Right, you don't, you don't have to tell it, you show it. Yeah, that's and my that's, man. That's, and that's, that's it. my and, man, man. And that's it. My and, sister gave it. me the best idea in the, just ever before we went on our last tour. She said, y'all, go out there, kill them, make a whole lot of money. Southern, you can tell a Southern woman's sister. <laughs> and then you come home, and y'all just take a break from each other because that's how groups stay together. You got to miss each other. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's like after this tour, he goes to Costa Rica and, and he's going to hang out. Me and my wife are going to go to Jamaica. After about a week, I know we'll miss each other. And then, and then I just show up in Jamaica. Hey! <laughs> Surprise! What? I'm here every moment of your life now. <laughs> the thing that was interesting for me and Stretch, though, going back to the 90s when we started out, was that hip-hop music at the time was highly relatable to black power. Yeah. Black power movement. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was identified as black music. Yeah. You know, when we first got on the air, we both wondered what right do we have to mm. represent this culture um, on mic in New York, mm. which at that point was the mecca for, for, the, for, the, for the movement. Absolutely. And um, it wasn't something that we struggled with for very long, right? but it's something that, that we questioned at first. I yeah. mean, you know. The work that need doing got to get done. You know, some design, you know, take y'all to the country. You know, the, the, the field don't care who plied. You know what I mean? The whale don't care who dig it. It got to be done. The and let's give, let's give black people and black music some credit. They're a very inclusive bunch. You know, black people yeah, yeah, don't yeah. really keep people out of their thing. If Absolutely. You, if you say to an older black woman yeah. on the train, I've always wanted to go to a, a black church, she's going to invite mm -hmm. you to her church. You know, if you look at rock and roll, they didn't try to keep white artists out. You know, mm -hmm. if you look at jazz and soul, you know, so I just I just like to, you know, if hip hop was quote unquote black music, it, black people are black people are good people in terms <laughs> in terms of culturally sharing, sure. you know, with people. So as long as you have love and respect and prove authentic, there's always been a way for the people that have been let in the door that did right by it, you know, mm -hmm. because you grew it. You know, we need allies. I, I am a, that is my my pet word. Like we, none of us progress without allies. You know, none of us progress. So you know, I am happy that the the amalgamation of people that is taking to push my this art form forward happened. I'm happy it came out of New York. I'm happy a bunch of kids that didn't look like each other dared to say, you know, for fear the Muslims might beat us up, we got to try it. You know, I appreciate y'all for that because. Had, had that not happened, Georgia wouldn't have happened in the same way. You know, well, I'll tell you, for what it's worth, and I don't talk about it that much, we don't go I, in the, traditionally, <laughs> but it's relevant. As a white kid growing up in New York City, deciding I was going to be a rapper, that I wanted to be a rapper, I also had that conversation with myself constantly, just, just even just growing up, you know. Just, and it wasn't a conversation in the sense of sitting there questioning myself because I knew why I wanted to do it. I knew it was the same reason why someone listens to Jimi Hendrix and they want to play a guitar. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do it because I fell in love with the art form and because it made sense to me. I was, I was in Brooklyn. I was in New York. I was going riding the trains. I understood graffiti. I understood b-boying. Like, I saw it. I saw people walking around with boom boxes, and that's how I was hearing the music, you know. I did make up my mind very early. I have to contribute. If I'm doing it, if I'm going to be involved, I have to contribute and not mimic so that when I walked away from it, someone could possibly say, that guy maybe punched a little bit of room, you know, on either side of the art form. All right. Well, speaking of music, 
Stretch and I have a special section of this show. It's called uh, the Impression Session. session. So we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Red Bull Radio. Whether it's the latest dancehall out of Kingston, techno from Berlin, underground hip-hop, or old soul gems, Red Bull Radio is the place to tune in and discover great music that's new to you. With in-depth interviews and live performances from festivals around the globe, plus music handpicked by influential artists, journalists, and DJs, you'll know what you're looking for when you hear it. Listen at RedBullRadio.com. We'd like to say a quick thank you and share a message from one of our sponsors, Stoke Cold Brew Coffee. At Stoke, they recognize that not every bean measures up. Stoke is steeped at cool temperatures for at least 10 hours to achieve a smooth taste. It's slow brewed like all the best ideas. Stoke Cold Brew Coffee. Look at you go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Stretch and Bobito Impression Session. Word up. This is how it works. We're going to play you music. Now, you can digest it however you want. It's not a guessing game. It can be if you want, if you recognize who, who we're playing. It's really about you listening and whatever emotion that the song evokes. Share it. Supreme wisdom is what I give them. Just to kill. It's how I'm living. I'm Sir I, the broad on the microphone. Let me show you why the stage is my throne. Intelligent. Individual with intellect. Intellect. Watch me pick up the microphone and rest. You, you, and your homeboys too. Your gang proxy group. All the whole damn crew. I'll do it casual. I'll come classical. Let's be rational. It's all actual. The laws of nature allows me to do this. So do the knowledge. Hollywood! Know what I'm saying? Routine. <laughs> oh, man. I haven't heard that one in like, damn, 15, 20 years or something. For all the kids in the South who are listening now, before the South, before Little John kind of officially took the airways over and everything kind of bent, well, Hot Boys supposed to kind of bent itself, um, this is like the hip-hop you'd hear, and it, it sounds like something that's traditionally rooted in the East Coast. I like it. It's dope. It's jamming. Um, <laughs> it's hot. Yeah. I was I was wondering if if that, if, that, if you were, if you knew that record I did it made it down it's not one of the ones that I'm just playing at my yeah. parties but it definitely made it down oh I've never played that at a party is yeah. that about ninety or eighty no that's eighty seven and for those of you that are listening and interested the record is called Holy War by Divine Force and the MC is Sir Ibu it reminds me of the the freedom and fun that yeah. that run the jewels oh that's um, awesome. Damn. Anyway, Sir Ibu, someone who never really got his, his propers, but uh, that is one of my favorite records yeah, of all time. I have a song for the impression session for the two of you. And, and I'm the gonna label is I'm covered. Gonna, I'm going to play it, and I hope that you enjoy it. I've brought it on 12-inch. We live from the head down and not the feet up. And I'm adorned with the pound. Just make this up, and I'm fine, fine. Under cloud nine. Yes, I wear the lamb's wool, the feet of burnt brass, and the water Nasty, nasty. It, that, it's either Stevie or someone who's That's highly Donnie. influenced That's by Stevie. That's who? That's Donnie. So the artist is Donnie. The song title is Cloud Nine off of his Colored Section album. Ding, 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 ding. ding. Huh. That's from the Beautiful. He's, That's he's an I, artist from Atlanta. Yeah, I, I play that for my little girls. 
Is that right? Yeah, I got music that I play for my daughters. Music I play for my son when they little girls. I was like, this sounds a little yeah. modern to be Stevie. But yeah, it does. He got a he got a, yeah, he got a clean voice, and he and he uh, he got Donny Hathaway name, of course. But he he raw. Wow, it's I didn't expect to hear that record today. That record just made me feel a, and I already was having a great day. I feel even better. <laughs> I know why Bob likes it. Yeah, this is <laughs> wonders Bob's favorite. Artist yeah, I, of all by time. far. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the reason why I played this for the both of you. Well, clearly, and shouts out to Donnie. You don't get the, the, the proper mentions and respect you deserve. His album, The Color Session, was absolutely. I, I mean, it's top five any genre Absolutely. for me wow. of all time. So he is recording supposedly from what I heard a third album. He put out two albums completely under the radar yeah. and I mean un- dissimilar to the two of you but similar to the two of you. I mean he speaks volumes yeah, to the people who love him. Oh, man. Like volumes yeah. but also I, I mean I, I thought that you would recognize it from Atlanta yeah. but our relationship outside of watching The Matrix that time and uh, and trying to see the Star Wars trailer because I know you're a sci-fi buff. <laughs> it's mostly on the hip hop side, so I just sure. want to share a soulful mo- moment with you. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I'm gonna get you the album for your birthday. Don't worry about it. Amazing. But yo, fellas, thanks yo. so much for for coming through. Oh, Thank y'all for having us. Come on. That's it for us. We're about to sign off. This podcast was produced by Sammy Yenigan, edited by Steve Nelson, Nigel Eaton, and executive produced by our homegirl, Abby O'Neill. Special thanks to our VP of Programming, Anya Grunman. If you like the show, you should check out our interviews with Mahershala Ali and Dave Chappelle. Listen on Apple Podcasts, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now that What's Good is up and running, we'd like to hear back from you, our listeners. Please take a minute to answer a short survey about the show. Just go to npr.org slash what's good survey. Again, that's npr.org slash what's good survey. That's all one word.